Open your Bibles to the Gospel of John in the third chapter this morning. And we're preaching on the miracle of John 3.16. We begin in the first verse. I want to read about ten verses. John, the third chapter, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. Now verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You say, well, another sermon on John 3.16. And I've heard all the sermons on John 3.16, and I don't believe there's anything left to be said uh, that I haven't already heard before, so I might as well close my eyes on this rainy, cloudy Sunday and just relax and uh, get some rest and uh, go to sleep. You know, there are a lot of people that find church on Sunday morning very relaxing. They sleep through the entire service. But before you go to sleep this morning, I want to tell you that this sermon is unlike any that you've ever heard before. I believe I can say that. Uh, without contradiction or hesitation because this is not like the normal sermon that you've heard preached on John 3.16. Some time ago, uh, Brother Nash gave me some tapes and on one of those tapes was a sermon by Jack Hudson. Jack Hudson I found to be an unusually gifted, good preacher and I'm much indebted to Jack Hudson for the message that I'm going to bring this morning. J.D. Griffin pastors in Knoxville, Tennessee. And J.D. Griffin told this unusual story. It was a cold winter night. The air was as chilly as it could be. A policeman was making his rounds. He saw a bunch of cardboard boxes stacked over against the curb. And he went over there to where they was and saw among those boxes a bundle of rags. Suddenly, to his amazement, that bundle of rags began to move, and he jerked out his flashlight, and he shined it in among those boxes and into the face of a 10-year-old boy. The policeman said, Son, what are you doing here? And the boy said, We had some trouble at home, and I just decided I was going to run away, and now I'm lost. I do not know where I am and I do not know how to get home. The policeman said to him, Son, do you see that sign down the street there that says Rescue Mission? You go down there and knock on the door, and they'll fix you up. 
And the little fella said, Mister, I don't know those people down there, and they don't know me. And the policeman said to him, Well, you just tell them that John 3, 16 sent you. And he went down there and knocked on the door, and a kindly gentleman answered the door and said, What can I do for you? And the little fella said, John 3, 16 has sent me. And he opened the door wide and invited him in and told him to go over and sit down by the fire and warm himself. When the little fella sat down by the fire, he said, I don't know who John 3.16 is, but it'll get a fella in out of the coal and to a place where it's warm. Now, John 3.16 will do more for you than that. Brother, it will get you into the very kingdom of God. For John 3.16 is the key to the kingdom. Now, John, the third chapter, begins with that story of Nicodemus. And I know that I have preached from it so much that you're thoroughly familiar with it. You've heard sermon after sermon about Nicodemus, a Jesus' conversation with him, and his conversion. And I do believe the latter part of John reveals the fact that Nicodemus did take Jesus Christ into his heart. And the one thing, though, that stands out in that story that has most impressed me through the years is this. Nicodemus was a very deeply religious man. But though he was deeply religious, he was just as lost as he could be. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a card-carrying member of the Sanhedrin. But in spite of that, he was as lost as he could be. Nicodemus went to church every Sunday. He would not have stayed out of the synagogue because he, because the Bible said, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, and he remembered the Sabbath. He was at the appointed place at the appointed time, but he was lost in spite of that. Nicodemus was a brilliant man, an educated man. He'd gone all to the schools and earned all the degrees. He had a PhD and a DD and several other degrees, but in spite of that, he was still just as lost as he could be. Nicodemus could quote much of the Old Testament. He was thoroughly familiar with it. He could tell you about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Jonah and Lot and all the rest. But in spite of that, he was just as lost as he could be. He prayed, he fasted, and he tithed. But he was still as lost as he could be. And Jesus that day handed to him the key to the kingdom when he said to him, Nicodemus, ye must be born again. When you ask someone, are you safe? Have you been born again? There is only one answer that's going to satisfy a soul winner. And many times that answer is not forthcoming. You say to a person, are you safe? And they may answer and say, yes, I'm a member of the Holy Roman Catholic Church, or I'm a Methodist, or I'm a Presbyterian, or I belong to the Forks of Dix River Baptist Church. But are you saved? Yes, I've been taken and baptized, not in steel water. Oh, I let them baptize me like Jesus was baptized. They put me in running water. Yes, but are you saved? Oh, I've been to the Lord's table, and I've taken of those elements that represent the body and blood of our Lord. Yes, 
But are you saved? Why go to church every Easter? Would you believe it? Not far from here, within walking distance, two Thursday nights ago, Shipton asked a young man when we were visiting, do you go to church? And the young man answered that way. Yes, I go to church once a year. I go on Easter. And some people will say, why don't you recognize me? You ask me, am I saved? I'm Dr. J.J. Jones, and I teach up yonder at the seminary on the hill. You've heard about the professor at the seminary that was seated on the, uh, the bench waiting for the bus to come, and, and he looked so sad and forlorn like he'd been to a dozen funerals. And I doubt that we convey what we ought to when we look like that. And this joyous, radiant young Christian came skipping along, and he said to the professor, Are you saved? He said, my son, I am Dr. So-and-so, a teacher of theology up yonder at the seminary. And the boy said, don't let that stop you from becoming a Christian. Though he was a big DD, there were things he could not see. And he asked the Lord to set him right. And God shined on him the gospel light. You see, Nicodemus was a big DD. But in spite of that, he did not know the Lord. And Jesus handed him a key when he said to him, you must be born again. It's rather interesting the way that John developed his gospel. First of all, he introduces us to a religious man, a moral man that's lost and on his way to hell. And then he turns right around in the next chapter and he introduces us to an immoral woman who is equally on her way to hell, the woman at the well. And in reading that again yesterday, I noticed the number of times that, Je that, that she began to, to toss out questions to Jesus, and he began to answer. She said, why, you're a Jew. What are you doing talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. And then she asked him, where do we find this living water that you're talking about? And then she asked him, are you greater than our father Jacob? But in this story, Jesus is the master surgeon. He's the skilled surgeon. And brother, he is about to perform open heart surgery. And he's going to take that black heart of hers. He's going to turn that thing inside out. And he's going to show her there a dreadful malignancy called sin. Now, he wasn't interested so much in the question she was asking, he was interested in the sin question. And when he said to that woman, call your husband. And she said, well, I've been married five times, but I'm now living with a man. I'm living in sin. Now, that ought to settle common law marriages once and for all. They're living in sin. Make no mistake about it. And Jesus had revealed to her that dark spot in her life and then he begins to reveal something else that he is the savior of sinners now she went away singing and came back bringing others for the water that was not in the well the little boy sat there by the fire warming himself and he said i don't know who john 3 16 is but i know this It'll get a fella off the street and in to where it's warm. And the kindly gentleman said to him, Son, I've got a hot bath ready for you and some clean clothes. 
And the little boy said, and he hadn't had a bath in many a day. And when he sat him down in that tub, he said, I don't know who John 3.16 is, but I know he'll not only take you in, but he'll make you clean as well. And brother, if this gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is believed, it'll not only take you in, but it'll clean up your life as well. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? There is an old song that, that we sing once in a while that, that says something about, I'm going to wear a robe someday. I want you to know I'm wearing mine right now. I got it on now because I'm wearing the robe of Christ's righteousness, and it's mine already. Dr. Hudson tells of a phone call that he received, and the man said, I know how very busy you are. Uh, but uh, I wonder if you would come and talk to a certain gentleman. And this gentleman is so degenerate, so depraved, that he is beginning to act and, and live like a wild animal. And he said, if you would come and talk to him, he'd listen to you. And Dr. Hudson said, tell me more. And he said, well, I run a service station, and there's an old abandoned truck out back of my service station. And this man sleeps in that truck on a bunch of filthy rags. And he said uh, he works some now and then and earns a quarter or 50 cents. And when he does, he goes down to Negro Town and he buys some homebrew. And it doesn't make him drunk. It just knocks him out. And we've seen him lay there for hours and wonder if he were not dead. But some mornings, he comes into the service station and he listens to your radio broadcast, and he said the other day that he would listen to you if you would talk to him. So Dr. Hudson said, I'll be there in a short one. And he went down to that service station and round back to where that old abandoned truck was and called that man's name, and Dr. Hudson said it was far worse than anything I could ever imagine. That man was filthy. He had hair down his neck, looked like the mane of a lion. I talked to him about the Lord, and then I said to him, come on, and I'll take you to where we can get you some clean clothes. And he took him down to the church, and they had a clothes closet there at the church, and Hudson said the aroma was so uh, so terrible that there was the windows down and the air condition running, he could hardly stand it on the way to the church. He finally made it without gagging and, and went in, and, and uh, he said, now the mayor brought some clothes by the other day, he brought a suit and some shirt and some shoes, and uh, I believe he's about your size. And he got in those clothes, and he said, let's go down to Salvation Army where you can take a hot bath. And took him down there and uh, took him in to where those steam baths were. And he said, have you got a razor? And the man reached in his pocket, and he had a razor in his pocket. And he said, all right, now shower and, and shave and, and put on this suit. And he said when that man came out, he was transformed. You wouldn't have recognized him. There he stood with the mayor's suit on and the mayor's shirt and the mayor's shoes. But brother... Jesus not only took us in and cleansed us and washed us in his own blood, but he has clothed us in his perfect righteousness. I've got something better this morning than the mayor's suit and the mayor's shirt and the mayor's shoes. I'm clothed in Christ's righteousness. And the man said, come on, son, it's time to eat. And he took that little boy down to the dining hall and set him down to a table that was laden with food. And he ate until he was full and satisfied, 
And the little fella said, I don't know who John 3.16 is, but he'll not only take you in, but he'll fill a hungry boy's belly as well. Paul says in Philippians 4.19, God will supply all our needs. But you know the God that supplies our needs does quite often test our faith. And it looks like the answer to our prayer is not going to come and the supply is going to run out before God begins to move. In 1 Kings chapter 17, there is a story of a widow woman, you remember? And that woman had just a little bit of meal in the bottom of that barrel. And you recall she had a little bit of oil and she said to her son, now listen, we're going to bake us a cake and we're going to eat that and then we're going to die. And God said to Elijah, you get down there to Zarephath and there's a widow woman going to care for your needs. And he found that woman out there picking up some sticks so that she could bake that loaf of bread. And he said to her, I want that loaf of bread. Now I tell you, it must have been hard to let go of that because that's the last loaf of bread she had and the only thing that stood between her and salvation. But he gave a promise. If you'll give it to me, God will give to you. And she did as she was instructed and God gave and gave and gave until the famine was lifted, you see. Now an individual that will obey God, God will take care of the needs of that individual. Billy Bray was a preacher. And Billy Bray used to tell congregations everywhere. He said, now listen, when that flour barrel is empty, just stick your head down in that barrel and say, praise the Lord. That's what I'll do when our cupboard is bare. And his wife came up to him one day and said, Billy, the cupboard's bare. We haven't got a thing in the house to eat, and the flour barrel is empty. Billy Bray went over and stuck his head down inside that flour barrel and shouted, praise the Lord. Two hours later, a wagon backed up to his front porch, and a man unloaded a barrel of flour, some side meat, and some potatoes, and such like that you get at the grocery store. And he asked him, why? And the man said, I heard you preach one time, and you said you could stick your head in an empty flour barrel and say, praise the Lord, when there wasn't a thing in the house to eat. I drove by your house two hours ago, and I heard you shout, Praise the Lord, and I could tell that your head was in a flyer barrel, and I knew you didn't have a thing to eat, so I went back to the grocery store and purchased all of this. God gave Israel manna from heaven. He fed Elijah with a raven, and Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fishes. What God did then, God can do again. In the book of Revelation, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, and I'll sup with him. I'll come in to him and sup with him and, and he with me. And I'm told, I really don't know, but I'm told that that word sup really means supper. That that's the evening meal. And the evening meal lasted for two hours as they reclined there on those couches and ate slowly and fellowship with one another. And Jesus says, you invite me in and we'll feast and fellowship together. The man at the rescue mission said, come on, son, let's get some rest. And he took that little old boy to a back room where there were a number of cots, and he tucked him in between two sheets, and he said, now you rest. God will watch over you. And the little fellow said, I don't know who John 3.16 is, but I know he'll give you rest. Isn't that what the world's looking for? Rest, but you're never going to find it because Jesus gives rest until you find it in him. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And you say, but Lord, how can I rest? There is so much to worry about 
How can I possibly lie down at night and rest? There's Castro in Cuba. There's Khrushchev in Russia. There's inflation in America. There are burglars in our homes. There are drugs in our schools. There are children in detention centers. How can I lay down and rest at night? And God seems to say, listen, I took my left hand and I scooped out the Pacific Ocean. And I took my right hand and I scooped out the Atlantic Ocean. And then I told the clouds in the sky a sad story and they wept and filled those two chasms. And I got the whole world in my hand. And I got the troublemakers in my hand. And I got you in my hand. Now why can't you lie down at night and get some rest? The next morning, the man shook the little boy and said, Son, while you were sleeping last night, we found out all we needed to know. We know who you are. We know who your parents are. We know where you live. And here's a bus ticket, and we're going to send you home. And the little fellow said, I don't know who John 3.16 is, but I know he'll take you home. There's a lot I don't know, but I do know this. If you'll believe what God says in that third chapter of John, and you have no more Bible other than that, it's enough to take you home. An old mountain man down in Tennessee, he had drank all of his life. He had beat his wife. He had whipped his children. He'd been in the penitentiary twice, and they had left him. His family separated from him, and then he got gloriously saved. With them old bib overhauls on, they took him down in Muddy Creek, and there they baptized him in those waters, taking him down into the waters, which symbolizes death to the old life, the life of drunkenness and, and wife-beating, the life of running here and there outside of the will of God. And then they raised him out of those waters, which symbolizes newness of life, a new man in Christ Jesus. And that big old man started to walk toward the bank, and out of that crowd came his little boy. Didn't even know that he was there. And that little fellow ran up and took his big dad by the hand and said, Dad, does this mean that you'll be coming home? And he said, Yes, son. As he picked him up in his arms, this means that dad will be coming home. And then out of that crowd came that wife and ran up and embraced her husband and got all the front of her dress wet, but it didn't matter. John 3:16, you see, can put families back together again. And when they put that little boy on the bus, he turned to that kindly gentleman and he said, Sir, will you tell me who John 3.16 is? And the kindly gentleman said, Son, John 3.16 is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, Mister, I'll be a slave forever because he's done so much for me. Let's pray. Our Father, that ought to be our sentiment too. You've done so much for us. Saved us when we were lost. Covered our sins by your blood. Cleansed us and made us fit subjects for the kingdom of our God. And we ought to be willing to be your slave, bond slave, as long as we live. Because you've done so much for us. And there are some here who did not know who John 3.16 was. And may they come to realize this hour that he'll do the same for them. Bless the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. Dad, we sing hymn number 225. Will you find it quickly? God's speaking to your heart this morning. You're here. You're lost. You're without. 
John 3, 16. You don't know Christ as your personal Savior. You've never invited him to come in to your life. Will you make that decision this morning? Maybe you've been coming to the Forks Church week after week and month after month, and your membership is elsewhere, and you know now this is where God would have you to drop anchor. Will you then come this morning and unite with us? Maybe the rededication of your life, you've been following the Lord a long ways off. Your life is not God-honoring, and you need to come this morning. Whatever the need, God calling, you respond as the Spirit speaks. Less than, less than. Now the name. 